Blog Talk Radio. You have just tuned in to the Midweek Pick-Me-Up Energy Show, featuring professional officiant, tuning fork facilitator, and author, Marcy Ann Chi. In 1988, Marcy Ann discovered the quantum fields of energy and vibration, and since then her life has been a day-to-day experiment in knowing how to live in light energy for happiness, health, and wealth. She shares the principles and laws of light energy as they operate in everyday life, and now, here is Marcy Ann. Hello, everybody. This is Marcy Ann, and I'm going to replay a show I did about a year and a half ago um, on my program at that time that I had, Say What? And, you know, we we sometimes need to hear something again. <laughs> So, here it is, and I hope you enjoy it. It's um, it's called, uh, You Don't Have to Say You're Sorry. And this is my show. Say what? When? Where? And the question I've asked my whole life, why? And tonight I want to talk about something I've been thinking about for quite a while. How much we say I'm sorry. And then recently I found a program uh, on AM radio. Uh, it's a Catholic program called Apologetics. And I thought, my gosh, what is that? So I looked it up. Well, the word comes originally from the Latin <clears throat> and then uh, became a Greek adjective uh, from the word apologeticos. And it was uh, originated as a part of their legal system. Because as you know, in a lawsuit, there's the prosecution and the defense. And the Greek word uh, for prosecution was categoria. And the word for the defense was apologeticos. So to give an apology originally meant that you would make a formal speech or give an an explanation to rebut charges. Well, then it was transferred into the realm of religion and apologetics began to be the study of the defense of doctrines and beliefs. So for a Catholic, their apologetics, uh, since the Bible says that a believer should always be ready to give an answer for their faith, then religious apologetics is an effort to show that a preferred faith is not irrational, that believing in it isn't against human reason, 
and that, in fact, the religion contains values and promotes ways of life uh, more in accord with human nature than any other faith or belief. So this Catholic program of apologetics uh, just reinforces, you know, the Catholic doctrines. They're not saying they're sorry about anything. They're just giving explanations for why they believe what they believe. Well, once the Greek word was translated into English, then it began to take on a different meaning. And now its primary sense seems to refer to a plea for forgiveness for a wrong act. And implicit in this is an admission of guilt, which was never part of the original idea of just a defense. In fact, in the original idea of apologetics, guilt was never admitted. The defense was to clear the burden that the prosecutor had placed upon the defendant. In our own system of justice in this country, which has come down through all these classical realms of esoteric thought, is that a person is innocent until proven guilty. And it is on the burden of the prosecutor to prove his case to the judge and jury. And if he doesn't, then the defendant is innocent and, and sometimes never has to speak a word. And the instructions to any jury contain these very explicit rules about it. And my husband was a circuit court judge, and he had an experience in his career regarding this. The story is that two of the city's policemen, who were not in uniform and did not have required warrants, went into the home of a man that they suspected of burglary, thinking that they could find evidence of a burglar of the burglary, and the man shot one of them and killed him. And the other policeman fled, of course, because he knew they were on the property illegally. Well, they tried to prosecute this man for murder in the second degree. <clears throat> and at the end of the case, by the prosecution, my husband ordered a directed verdict of innocence without submitting the case to the jury because he said the prosecution had failed to make their case according to the laws for what constitutes murder. But actually the man was well within his rights to defend himself and, and his property. And there certainly would be no apology required. He would never have to say, I'm sorry I killed that cop. Because after he found out who it really was and why they were really there, he probably felt justified in killing the cop. Well, when do we say I'm sorry? <laughs> you know, I read a book a long time ago. I tried to find it on Amazon.com, uh, and I couldn't find it today. But it was a book that was titled, A Lady Never Says She's Sorry. And when I read that book, that was when I began stop saying I'm sorry. I think of myself as a lady 
But because in our English translation of the word apologeticos, we've accepted the additional concept of admitting blame and shame and guilt and begging for forgiveness for a wrongful act, I think women especially are always the ones saying, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. And the idea of the book is that a lady would never do anything that was shameful. She would never be guilty of treating any human being with malicious unkindness or perform any preconceived action that would create a desired evil consequence, so she would never have to say she's sorry. So are you thinking there aren't very many ladies anymore? (laughs) I think you're right. So in the original idea of apologetics, you do not need you would not have to say you're you are sorry. Your apology would be your presentation of your own personal truth. Then we are never to be sorry for being who we are or what we stand for. And if you do feel sorry about who you are, then that's where you would start to create a reality for yourself that you're not sorry about. So what is our defense system? Now, there is a place where our culture can now begin to operate in a higher realm of of understanding. Do we need to have a defense system, a system of apologetics, Because if we're going to go from being a society that solves its problems with war and war machines and shootings and tanks and cannons and killings and murder to being a peaceful society, living in respect and honor of one another in love, then we're going to have to learn the ways of a peaceful warrior. Now, even to say that, it... (laughs) That term, peaceful warrior, it seems to have within it a definition of a defense system, doesn't it? Because this is a delicate and seemingly incongruent idea, almost like an oxymoron, if you will. A warrior of peace? So what is a warrior of peace? Well, the warrior of peace would not address himself or herself to an apparent hostile opponent for the purpose of retaliation with any intent to devastate or dishonor them, to grind them under their feet, to cut off their heads. But rather, the peaceful warrior addresses himself or herself to the soul of the other person for the purposes of information. So a personal defense system is a way to provide information about something that the other person doesn't know, either about themselves or about the other person or about the situation. Now, if you have a hostile opponent, there probably is a belief system of some kind. And that person's belief system is based on that person's origin, their genetics, what they've been taught, and their experiences. 
And you know what? With some, their entire life force energy is fueled by this belief about something that they have. And to attack it would be to literally try to kill them. And the peaceful warrior would never try to destroy or decapitate his opponent. The peaceful warrior seeks to find a neutral ground where neither one is so dedicated or entrenched in their position so that a dialogue could be opened and entertained. You know, our current president in this country is a peaceful master warrior. He's called a lot of other things. <laughs> but he took his oath of office within the time frame of receiving the Nobel Prize for Peace. That wasn't an accident. It was a statement of definition that he's been dedicated to. And we're going to have two more years of this peaceful warrior. And I am hopeful that by the time the people of the United States have the experience of having had eight years of just observing the other peoples and the nations of the world work out all their own problems themselves without the U.S. getting involved and trying to dictate what should be done by whom to whom, I think the people of the United States will be conditioned now to not desire for the United States to enter into other people's situations anymore. I mean, how in the world are we so egomaniacs to think that, that we can know the answers to these situations that have been going on for thousands and thousands of years? Millions of years in some cases <laughs> in cultures that are completely different from ours, religions and rituals that are completely different from ours, policies and procedures that are completely different from ours. I mean, we certainly don't even have all the answers in our own culture. How can we presuppose to tell them what they should do? So we're learning that we need to just take care of our own problems and we just let them take care of their own problems and each of us just has to work it out. And using retaliation or devastating lands and killing people is not a proper defense system for beliefs. A proper defense system is going to that neutral ground and dialoguing until there is a solution that is agreeable to all concerned. And in cases where each side is right, I mean, this is extremely difficult. In the Palestinian-Israeli situation, both sides are right. That's why this situation's never been resolved. That's why it's impossible for the U.S. to take sides. That's why we just have to stay out of it. Because the only resolution to this situation is to go beyond identifying with the land and become only identified with the energy of the Spirit of the Lord of Hosts. Because as 
peaceful warriors under the Lord of hosts. We are all one family, brothers and sisters, with no physical attachments for the purpose of identity. Our identity is as a fellow citizen on planet Earth. And you know, many of these ancient peoples had different names for God because they had different names that would identify God in some part of his beneficence towards his creation. And the name for the Lord of hosts is Jehovah Sabaoth. I don't know how to say it. S-A-B-A-O-T-H. Sabaoth. And that word Sabaoth means myriads or throngs of purposeful, peaceful warriors. (laughs) Jesus said when he was before Pilate, don't you know I can call legions of angels right this minute and they would deliver me out of this circumstance? And throughout all of the scripture, we find this Lord of hosts as our ever-present defender, that sovereign and holy God over all the universe who sees us and loves us and will move mountains on our behalf. And he fights our battles and wins our wars for us. This is the Lord of hosts. He's the refuge we can run to in time of need. He's Jehovah Sabaoth. There's nothing he cannot do, nothing he does not know, nothing he cannot control, no enemy he cannot defeat, no heart he cannot heal, no mouth he can't shut, no miracle he cannot perform. And how beautiful it is to know that he longs to work in our lives and on our behalf in his power as the Lord of hosts. We never have to face any battle alone. We just call upon the Lord of hosts to do what only he can do and vindicate us in the process, and then none of us will ever have to say, I am sorry. (laughs) David in the Psalms called him the king of glory. He says, oh, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. But see, the difference between the Lord's great military power and man's war capabilities is that the Lord's armies are coming to end war forever. And so far we've had our first six years of that in this country. The Lord of hosts maketh wars to cease upon the Unto the end of the earth, he breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariots in the fire. (laughs) So an apology is a statement of defense, and our personal defense system is to be a system of peaceful communication of information. And in a system of peaceful communication of information, we don't ever need to say, I am sorry. Because we're never to be sorry about who we are, 
what we believe, what we stand for, and someone who is constantly saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, is a person who does not know who they are or what they believe or what they stand for. So they bobble on the currents of life and they hear and observe what others say or do. And in an effort to be accepted and to feel like they belong, they'll apologize for themselves and they'll say, oh, oh, you know, I'm sorry I thought that about you or I had that idea about something you don't like or agree to. And then you know what? If you're one of these people who's always saying you are sorry and apologizing for yourself, then first of all, I want you to go see the movie Maleficent <laughs> and see how she stands in her powers, even when she's wrong, I might add, but she at least stands up for herself and she doesn't apologize for anything. She acts within the scope and domination of her powers without apology. She could care less if others agree with her or not. She could care less whether she's accepted by anybody else. She's the sovereign goddess who is confident in her knowledge, her abilities, her position, her power, and she acts unabashedly and unafraid in front of everyone and stands her ground. And that after you see that movie, you need to define your own purpose for your life because there's some reason why you're here and there's no one else like you, so there's something you are to do that no one else can do. So that's your next assignment is to find out what that is. And this will define who you are. And then once you know who you are and what you're supposed to be doing, then you'll just get busy uh, getting yourself prepared to do what you're supposed to do. And that might mean, you know, going to school or working with someone who's going to teach you how to do it or just starting out by yourself and doing it because the Spirit of the Lord of hosts will help you and lead you into those areas you need to go into so you can learn about what you're supposed to do. And people will be sent to you and opportunities will open up for you. And you will just begin to be so busy doing what you are supposed to do, you won't have time to be looking at other people and what they're doing and judging them and getting into a confrontation with them or trying to convince them of anything. You'll just be so busy just doing what you're supposed to do and doing it to the best of your ability using your own special gifts and talents. And you will never have to say that you are sorry about anything because everything that you are will be doing is justified and acceptable because you would be fulfilling your sacred purpose. You know what, and even if someone else doesn't understand or judges you according to their own system of defense, you need to be concerned about that. Time will verify and justify you. And the other thing is you're going to be laughing yourself all the way to the bank because your divine purpose is attached to your financial abundance. And then the next thing that will begin to happen is you will begin to be discerning about other people who are saying they are sorry to you 
because energy vampires use that phrase, oh, I'm sorry, to reconnect with people and get them to reconsider or regenerate a relationship where they can keep siphoning off the energy of that person. So as you quit saying you're sorry about anything, you will begin to be aware when people are saying, I am sorry to you, and then are using that to manipulate and control you. And once you get past having to apologize for being who you are, you're going to be so happy and, I might add, relieved. And then all of that energy you've been using in apologetics to defend yourself you can now use to create and fulfill your own personal destiny. And you can just start to call upon the Lord of hosts as your ally. It's the spiritual connection of your soul with the Lord of hosts is the pure power, and there would not be any apology ever needed for anything. Now, I want to tell you a story that might sound a little like a conflict of what I've tried to say tonight. But just know that truth is paradoxical, and truth is many-sided, and truth is bigger than just one idea. And so I don't want you to get the idea that there is never a time for an apology. So here's the story. I went with a friend of mine to see a psychic. She wanted to talk to the psychic about a particular situation, and I just went along with her because we were going to go to lunch together afterwards at the shopping mall where we were to meet the psychic. So my friend had her consultation, and they finished, and we were getting up and starting to leave. And then the psychic called to me, Oh, lady? And I said, Yes. Yes, you. There's someone here who needs to say something to you. I turned around. I asked, who is it? And she said, the father of your children. And I said, Dick? And she said, yes. He's shaking his head, yes. Well, my first thought was, that's the last person I want to hear anything from. And my mind just swirled with memories of him announcing that he was leaving me and the children. He was going to go seek the connections that would advance him in his political and social careers, which he did. And while he paid a pittance in child support and did his legal visitations with the kids every other weekend, the rest of the time for the for the kids and me was difficult, full of scarcity and lack and struggle and despair. But as he pursued his greener pastures, he became addicted to alcohol, and he ended up dying in an alcoholic coma on Padre Island in Texas on vacation with his drunken girlfriend. Such a tragic end to a man who had started out so full of intelligence and talents and gifts. The psychic beckoned to me, please come and sit down. He needs to tell you something. So reluctantly, I went and sat back down and began listening very defensively. And she said, 
He wants to tell you how sorry he is for leaving you and the children. He now knows that what he did was wrong, that there are no greener pastures. There's just more of the same with different people, and that he should have stayed with you and the children and been the husband and the father that he had been called to be. And he is so sorry, and he asks you to forgive him. Well, you know, he was a lawyer. He was that circuit court judge who, during his career, had ordered that direct verdict of innocence over the jury in a cop-killing case. So even in his judgment, being based in the law, even in the law, there is mercy. There is a spiritual apologetic in operation. And that man that never had to say he was sorry he had killed that cop, he was in that pure and justifiable situation of defending himself and his property as provided by the Constitution of the United States. But here, what is my responsibility here in this situation where there is no justification for what he did? There is no spiritual apologetic that I can apply to him. He does not deserve mercy from from me. And here's where I think that we can begin to think about a different word for forgiveness and a different way to consider what we're asking for when we say we are sorry. And that word is pardon. Now, a pardon is different from forgiveness. Because forgiveness has an element to it of going before the act and erasing the act entirely as though it never happened. And this is the concept that is taught to us about forgiveness, if you consider it from the point of view of Christianity or Catholicism, about the way God forgives us. In God's forgiveness, the actual act itself is erased as though it never happened. The slate is wiped clean. The ledger is cleared of all debt. The debt is paid in full. The balance is zero. But in granting a pardon, the original act stands. The person is guilty. But a pardon is a kind indulgence that can release the person from the penalty of the offense. You re- So in the case of a pardon, you do not need to erase the original deed. It stands. The person is guilty. They did it. Their selfishness or their desperation or their fear or their insecurity or their unbelief or whatever it was that powered their intention to commit that act stands. It is for all to see. And when I thought about those years of struggle the children and I went through just to survive and to make it, there's no way I can forgive that. There's no way I could get those years back. And there was nothing that could be done now to change any of that. The act stands. He is guilty. But I felt something in my heart, kind of like a stone melting, you know, a big hard stone 
beginning to break up into little pieces and melt into a stream of, yes, love. I had loved him. I had said those words, I take you to be my husband, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health until death us depart. In those days we said, until death us depart. And now he was dead, actually passed over to the other side, where there is the pure truth, and where there is only love and the desire for all to be cleared and cleansed of all impurities and all injustices and all errors of their ways. And I felt my I felt that love. And I could feel myself in a kind of indulgence granting him a pardon. And when I did, I felt this sudden rush of joy, like all of the hosts of heaven were jumping up and down and clapping their hands. They were jubilant and rejoicing and looking at one another and saying, Yes, today we have witnessed another peaceful resolution. And you know what? I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I just kept hearing those words over and over and over that he said to me. And the more I thought about it, the more the healing happened to me. And the more I be- began to be able to look at, look at it all through different lenses, with eyes that could see the compassion. And I decided to tell the children. You know, your father came to me and he said he was sorry. And he asked me to forgive him for leaving us and going out to climb those mountains of mortal infamy. Well, my oldest daughter had lived with him during her teenage years and she watched his descent into alcoholism and she said to me, Mom, you know, I don't think he ever stopped loving you, even through all of the women. And my youngest daughter, who had also lived with him during her high school years, because the high school she could go to in where he lived, had a great rating uh, within our state. And she saw the tail end of the alcoholism when the people of his county no longer would vote for him to be the judge. And she said, he got what he deserved. And then my son just shrugged his shoulders and he says, it doesn't involve me. He'd written his dad off a long time ago. But, you know, I've watched them since that happened. I, and I hear them say different things now whenever the subject of their dad comes up. And I can tell that the healing stream of love that was loosed when I was able to grant the pardon is having its domino effect in the lives of my children And I know that eventually each one of them will resolve their issue with their dad in the way of the peaceful warrior to the satisfaction and the celebration of the hosts of heaven where their dad is now learning a higher and a better way to live his next life. So my point tonight is to, first of all, to know that most of the time that we're saying I'm sorry is an unnecessary, personal, apologetic defense that's based in our own lack of self-worth and our own ignorance of who we are and why we're here. 
But I'm not saying that we will never say I'm sorry. That we will never say I'm sorry. And whether we are the one who's going to say I'm sorry or whether we are the one to whom someone says I'm sorry to us. Just know that forgiveness is a level of love that most of us can't operate in yet. But all of us can grant a pardon. That's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. You can contact Marcy Ann on her website, www.marcyann.com. You can also view all of Marcy Ann's videos on YouTube by putting Marcy Ann in the YouTube search window. You can download her book for free at www.mrwriteforme.com. And if you want to go into business for yourself, take a look at Marcy Ann's Weddings and Celebrations Business Startup Course at www.weddingofficiantschool.com. The Middle of the Week Pick Me Up Energy Show is broadcast live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Coast Time from Marcian's Studios in Southern California. All shows are also archived and can be listened to at any time in any place in the world. <laughs>